Welcome to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Until you wake up from the American dream, financial uncertainty will be your American reality. Join Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto and their guest as they explore how you can attain financial liberty by uncovering truths that have been kept secret for decades. Have you ever played a game and didn't know the rules? How can you ever win? Learn the rules to the game and in turn, learn how to win. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Financial Liberty Project with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto. Today we're going to be talking about something that they actually touched on in the last podcast. And if you have not heard that, go back and listen. There's a lot of great information in there. And we're going to be talking about the Solo 401k. And I'm going to let the guys introduce what that is and what it's all about. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Doing great. Another great show for us today and a lot of valuable information, Co. So uh, it's, it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, you know, before going into the solo 401k, because I think that's really a very important topic with so many small business owners out there, I think we want to go ahead and talk about something that just came across. It was, it was actually a private letter ruling. And, you know, Co. we talk about PLRs regularly. What are they? Uh, they, are, they are rulings head, that are handed down by the, the IRS. And uh, they are rulings that individuals, uh, you know what, a lot of people don't realize that if they don't agree with a ruling they have with regards to the IRS and, and the taxes or the fines or the penalties they have to pay, they can actually go and have their day in court with the IRS. And, so they can appeal. Oh, yeah. They can say, hey, man, no, I don't want to be spending this million dollars. That's not you're making. What does it cost to do a PLR? Well, that's the issue. Right. That's the issue is that you got to hire a reputable organization to write the PLR for you. You just can't, you know, take out a piece of paper or a napkin and start writing it down. And you've got to actually hire an organization to to file the PLR, to write the PLR and make it presentable enough. So it's basically a law firm and uh, present the PLR. And that PLR can cost, you know, quite a bit of money. It could, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I hear anywhere between thirty five hundred to five thousand, maybe seven thousand dollars just to go ahead and file the PLR. And uh, that's so, a lot of money. It is a lot of something. Money. But a lot of times, because a lot of people do it by principle, right? They they may not their, their fine may just be fifty bucks, but they don't agree with the fifty dollar fine. So it's all a function of principle. But then there are times where they go, "Hey, wait, what what's going on here?" I well, there could be a lot of money at stake. Yeah, a lot and of so exactly. these would be very well justified. Exactly. But there's no guarantee, right? That that I mean, obviously the so you file a PLR, you're 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 appealing a reversal and some ruling that was not in your favor, right? Right. And so you don't know if if they're gonna um, see it your way or not. Now it's your day in court. You could lose. It's your day in court. Right. Yeah. And you here here's the here's the issue with regards to it. As far as I'm concerned, it's one of the scenarios where you just don't know. It's kind of like a uh, an individual at the bank. You just don't know how that individual woke up that day. Right. You can have the wrong guy from the tax court or from the IRS. Uh, is it the tax court or the ta- uh, IRS? And then it could go to the tax courts. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it could be a, so, a yeah, you, Supreme Court ruling. Yeah, you can get you can you can get the wrong person, uh, you know, deciding your fate, and uh, uh, so it could go either way. Yeah, and you know, here's the here's the interesting part. The interesting part is that you and I we've seen so many times where so many rulings have come out in in a con in contrast to what they have in writing. So what they have in writing many times isn't necessarily applied to the rules that they've announced. So there's a there's sometimes you know significant con, uh, contradictory right contradicting right right. I've, I've heard that yes yeah. So this individual okay this individual it's actually PLR two zero one five four seven zero one zero and it came out in August but it's just making the the news wires as of late and uh, so so basically I'll just go ahead and summarize it. You had an individual 
who had his money at a at a financial institution, and he had asked his advisor to uh, to send a check to an outside investment that he wanted to invest in. So it was an outside investment, and what kind of investment? We, you know, we we just don't know what it was, but it was just an outside investment that he was going to own shares in. And out, so out, outside. Of what specific outside of his institution, so it's not part of the institution. Let's say his money is with a a major firm, and uh, and and so he what he wanted to do on his own. There was a, a whether he went to you know some some organization and he found that that there was a, a an investment available to him that he can get invest in shares, and it obviously got him uh, got him thinking, and so got him thinking to the point where he was sold on investing in units and interest in that particular organization. So he went to his advisor and he asked for the money to buy shares, um, ownership interest in that particular company. But he wanted to do it legally, wanted to do it right. So he told the organization that the shares have to be named appropriately, that it had to be named in the name of his IRA. And so uh, the institution went ahead and they did everything correct and they sent the check out. He got the check. He went over to the organization. The organization created an operations and a contract that actually named uh, everything uh, uh, properly, so it looked like you know everything was good, up until later on in the year when he received a 1099R for the amount that he took out. So whatever amount that was, and and, and let's just say it was a hundred thousand dollars that he invested in, and I'm not sure if it was a hundred mm-hmm. or not, uh-huh. um, but let's just say it's a hundred. So at the end of the year, he received a 1099R for a hundred thousand dollars. Now remember, he's thinking it's, it's an IRA. And a 1099R would only come around if there was a distribution. And he wasn't asking for a distribution. He was just asking for the money to go and invest in this so company. So that, that would be a transfer. It was, yeah. And it, it, would, it would not be considered a, a taxable event under normal circumstances if it's done right. If it's done right, but he didn't have, but he obviously only had 60 days to make it right. And the money did not go to another institution because the organization that he invested in was not affiliated with another institution. It was a private party. So it ended up becoming a distribution. distribution. And so this individual was absolutely shocked. And he was like wondering why in the world did this organization send this on out and everything was good. I got contracts and you know it was named properly. And this is something that a lot of retirees should, should really understand. So what's the... Was the money just mishandled? No, it wasn't mishandled. It was basically it, it. It was it turned into an administrative type of thing from a from a from a corporation standpoint. There are there are institutions that is that you know, for instance, his advisor, the institution he was working with. There are institutions that allow outside investments. His institution did not, and that was something that he wasn't aware of. So, because his institution did not allow outside investments to a private party that automatically became a situation where on the 61st day, it became a distribution and he received a 1099R. That was a, a private letter ruling. Again, it was 2015-47010 and it came out last August, but it's hitting the waves now. And it's important because a lot of these PLRs come out regularly and we try to do our very best to keep looking at them, just try to find ones that are, are, are you know, that, that make a lot of sense for us to go ahead and talk about. And I just figured this one really makes a lot of sense because as you know, with the with the increase in individuals looking at at alternative mm-hmm. items right. to try to get better returns in a very low interest rate environment, it really opens up issues. So, what was he appealing that he was asking the uh, the government to treat it as? Because why is as, it being a distribution? A everything was right. You know, everything was fine. Why can't they so, hold it inside my IRA? Is what he was asking. Okay. Did he did he lose the ruling? He lost. 
Yeah, because and he lost on the grounds. See, he wouldn't have lost on the grounds if the organization that sent the check allowed for outside ownership. But because that institution did not allow for outside ownership, he lost. So it wasn't necessarily the IRS saying they're saying, hey, this is fine as long as the institution that sent the money allows for this to be owned inside your IRA. But your institution doesn't allow it to be owned inside the IRA. So rightfully, they sent you a 1099R and called it a distribution. And now you got to pay taxes and you got to pay penalties on it. You know, that kind of leads to another thought is, um, you know, I had this conversation with some people yesterday about, you know, you know how people always try to like think of another way to do something. It's, it's like reinventing the wheel. Um, people invest in things, but there are, you know, there, there's some like, there, there's good products out there. Um, you know, some main, mainstream things, not going to mention the types or anything, but isn't it uncanny how many people would like to have the conversation about, you know what, there's a better way to do this thing that's been proven for decades, but I've got a better way. Yeah. And they go try a better way. And, um, and, and oftentimes they get, they get themselves in a whole bunch of trouble because they, you know, it's uncharted territory or they're just not aware of the rules. And sometimes, you know what, the boring way to do stuff is sometimes the right way. It may not be exciting, but if it's a proven way, it may not be a bad way to just continue, you know, doing it that way. And sometimes it really is a, a matter of syntax. And sometimes it just really is a matter of operations that, that, in this case, this this individual had his money at an institution that did allow outside ownership of uh, private in investments. He would have no issues. And that's what the IRS had an issue with, is that the IRS said, no, it's fine. Everything is fine. But the problem is, is with your institution. The institution that has your money or that is safeguarding your money does not allow for outside investments. So we cannot allow for this reversal. Right. So he paid taxes on that amount, plus paid the fee to file a PLR, and then he lost. Yep. Yeah. Ouchie, ouch. Right, right. Because if you could you could look at it and in, in, in where he's sitting, he's sitting, he's gone, I should have no problems whatsoever filing this because everything was done legitimately in his eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, in his eyes. And he probably heard that it is okay for institutions to hold private, you know, uh, private investments inside their 401k plan or inside their their IRA. And in this case, it just didn't work out for him. And and uh, you know, there, there's a there's just a ton of these out there. There's a ton of these out there. And what's really amazing, Coase, is that in many instances, very similar situations like this, we've seen opposite rulings. You know, situations again. That this is been like who you get that day. Who you get? What time or what side of the bed did the person get up? <laughs> right, right. I mean, did you did was was a person fed a, a breakfast or or and, not? Yeah. Now, what I understand about PLRs is that just because it's decided one way or the other, it doesn't mean that it's a law. It's just a ruling. There's a big right. difference between the two. So. You have a PLR that goes one way. It doesn't mean that the tax code is updated to, you know, to be consistent with that PLR. And as you said earlier, the PLRs can actually be contradictory at times, right? Contradictory in a big way, right? So um, it's just, you know, it's it's it's. I would say it's it's a it's a decision made on an individual case. It can be used as a reference to argue for or against, you know, something that you're appealing in the future. So they are interesting and useful, you know, rulings to just know about if you're going to go, go do something and challenge, uh, you know, the tax authorities or the, the IRS. Yeah. All right. So what? Are we, what <laughs> moving along. Moving along. Next? Moving along. I just thought that was really cool to go ahead and find that stuff out. I was like, wow, hey, Coase, I think a lot of our people are going to be excited about this. We, we found a, a nice little gem. And, from time to, and again, from time to time, listeners, we do find these gems, these, these private letter rulings that uh, – 
don't necessarily affect everybody, but if it affects maybe just one out of a hundred people and uh, we're able to tap, you know, into one, one life out of a hundred people listen to us and we can make a difference. That's what, you know, this is all about. The show is all about. So, you know, we wanted to go ahead and, and, and preface a lot of these, these items because we, we want people to go and wake up and not have to worry one day. Right. And there are so many, there are so many vehicles that are out there and which vehicle is the right vehicle to utilize and if we are utilizing that vehicle are we maximizing the vehicle and uh, so I, I don't necessarily talk in jargon anymore i mean the, the fact is is that there's there's these tools and one of the tools i wanted to talk about today codes that we know a lot about and, and we've been talking to people about is a solo 401k and the solo 401k is like a 401k but it's mainly for you know sole proprietors um just small businesses individuals that don't necessarily have a tremendous amount of uh, employees like 10 15 you know thousand employees prior to the solo 401k what kind of vehicles were available to the masses that they utilized instead of a solo 401k prior to it well there's the the everyday 401k there's the iras there's the sep iras there's um you know uh, some other things but like the um, kia right for like kia, small businesses right right, right. And albeit they were great investments, Akio, and then uh, it, it turned into a lot of people were starting to invest in, in a SEP IRA. Then you had simple IRAs, and uh, what 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 seems to have become more and more prevalent, um, at least on the surface, but not necessarily being utilized to its full potential, is a solo 401k. And what's cool about the solo 401k is that it's basically a 401k plan. So you've got, you know, you got a, the the proper filing forms at the end of the year. It's it's basically if you're a small business, you have this and you have the ability to have employee contributions and employer contributions. And the great part about it is that it does allow for a Roth contribution, depending, of course, if your plan allows for it. I love that. Right. Because I knew you would like that. That's why I want to go and breathe that. So oh, yeah. talk about the Roth contribution when it comes to a 401k plan again. Well, it's a lovely four-letter word and um, it's legal and it's not offensive, but uh, learn the word Roth. Roth is your friend. Yeah, I love Roth, and I like you know people people that understand Roth love it because when they become elders, and um, you know when when you're tired and you're you're feeling older and you just don't want to live a retired life of worries or rules or worrying about violations and then you know having to pay penalties and and then just trying to keep all the different rules straight in your in your feeble mind. <laughs> You, you just want simplicity. And so Roth, the Roth benefits, whether it's through an IRA or a 401k, give you that. It, it gives you a couple things. One, it frees you of very, very complicated rules, which um, most people will have to endure and live through because they will do a non-Roth type of retirement strategy. The other benefit is that um, if you if you have a Roth strategy, then when you're retired and you're taking money out of your Roth vehicle, you don't have to worry about paying any taxes on it because it's already been taxed. It's been taxed the day or the, the year that you've you've contributed to that type of vehicle. To me, the advantages of a Roth are tremendous. Um, you know, I like I like that strategy more than than the taxable strategy, which is the most, the more common or popular. And I don't know why it's more popular, but most people will do the, uh, the strategy where they have to live by the rules of the IRS as an old person and have to pay taxes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Makes sense. Yeah. Long and winded, but you know what? It, it's precise. And that's what we're all about, man. Precision. Yeah. So love the Roth. So here's the cool thing about the solo 401k. 
All right. And, and I think one of the, one of the main aspects that people just don't, they don't necessarily, the, for the ones that have it, uh, the, the solo 401k, they don't necessarily utilize it. And for the ones that don't necessarily know about the solo 401k, it's something that you definitely want to, you know, to understand and put it in your arsenal. And, and one of the key factors is this. Okay. So just like any type of retirement account, like any type of 401k plan, uh, you're allowed to go ahead and have what's called employee contributions. And your employee contributions inside a solo 401k for 2019 is up to $19,000. So that means, and here, this is the interesting part. It's for dollar for dollar, right? So dollar for dollar means that in theory, if you made $20,000 this year, you could put $19,000 into your solo 401k, traditional or Roth. All right. So you don't necessarily have to make a certain amount to go ahead and put up to 19. So in theory, if you just made 20 grand, you could put 19,000. I don't know. I so think basically all, you, you have a way to put 90% of your income away. Or all, if you made 19,000, you can you put, put 100%. percent of it. The issue is that of course we have debt and we have bills to pay. So I don't think a lot of people are going to make 20,000 bucks, but 19,000. But there are people out there that do save, let's say 75% of their income. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's true. There yeah. are people that do that. And it's not a solution many. for them. Yeah. <clears throat> and so what happens, so you have this $19,000, right? And that's below people. That's, that's not below people, but that's for people that are below the age of 50. And of course it's 25,000. If you're above the age of 50, that's the contribution on an employee basis for the, for the solo 401k. But here's where it gets really cool. It gets really cool because after that amount, after that amount, you have two options that you can choose from. And of course, now this depends on your plan, okay? The plan documents that you put together. The majority of corporations, big companies, aren't allowed or aren't able, it's not inside their plan documents to choose one of the options that I'm gonna mention to you. But if this is available to you and you are a small business, you definitely wanna look into this. And basically, let me go ahead and talk about the first option. Well, as a business owner, if you decide to do a 401k plan, you know, disagree or agree, Sam, you designed the 401k plan to be the way you like it. So if you want to feature, you can include it. You can, you got to find a service provider that will do it. And then also you got to make sure that if you have employees that they run a test and if the test, if you don't fail the test, then you can as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of aspects to it, but here's the thing. We're just going to utilize just one employee. That's the example we utilize. Okay. So we have this one employee and so they make a hundred thousand dollars a year. And so let's just say they put $19,000 in their solo 401k. All right. So one of the options they can do is what's called a profit contribution, an employer profit sharing contribution. So after they reach the maximum of $19,000, let's just say that they're below the age of 50. So they, they have an employee contribution of $19,000. They as employers can also put money into the 401k or okay, the Okay. So in this example, well. is that per, that employee the same person as the same person. owner of the business? Same person. Right? Okay. So there's one person in this picture. Right. One person in this picture. So he's the employee and the employer. So as right. an employee, he puts $19,000. And as an employer, legally, he can put, depending on whether he's a corporation or a sole proprietor, he can put anywhere between 20 to 25% of his earnings. So if he makes $100,000, let's just say he could put 20,000, 20%, which is $20,000. $20, so that $20,000, add that to the 19, that's $39,000. And you're thinking about, that's pretty good, right? But mm -hmm. here's the thing is that you can actually max out at $56,000. So he's short a little bit. He's short. You can max out at 56, 62 if you are above the age of 50. So here's here's where the other the other element comes into play, uh, the other potential option. If it's in your plan documents and you have it written in your plan documents when you set the plan up, right? Okay, is there is what's called an after tax feature. So forget about the profit sharing contribution, the employer side. 
the after-tax feature, which in many cases we discussed is spillage. So once you reach that 19,000 max, you can continue to keep putting money into your solo 401k and reach that $56,000 limit really quickly. And that money's all after tax. That's the caveat. But it's not really the caveat because you just explained a few minutes ago the advantages of a Roth. Because what happens is that if you take that $19,000 max, okay, uh, employee contribution, and you subtract from it the $56,000, which is the legal contribution limit Mm -hmm. for the year, that turns into $37,000. So let's just assume this this person who makes Mm $100,000, puts in his nineteen. dollars and he goes ahead and he and he funds it with the rest and he reaches his 56,000. That $37,000 difference, that amount mm-hmm. can actually be rolled over and converted into a Roth. Now, so you're assuming in this example, Sam, that his plan does not allow a Roth type of contribution? No, I am. So his plan does allow. Okay. His, his plan does allow. So the okay. solo 401k, he has a solo 401k and there's two things that he has. So we're, we're assuming one person and in one person, he's able to have those two options. The number, the first option is to have profit sharing at 20% or 25% of his earned income, right? Depending on what type of status he is or after tax contributions. Once he reaches that $19,000 threshold as an employee, the other part too, is that the plan documents have him as a Roth. So he could choose between traditional and Roth contributions. So the 19,000, he can contribute as Roth after tax. So that 19,000 is Roth. Okay. But the after tax amount after that 19,000 up to 56,000. So we add that difference is 37,000. That's all after tax that can be converted into a Roth. By, by moving it out of the plan, let's say at the end of the year, into an outside Roth IRA. Correct. And that's what's called the mega backdoor Roth contribution. Right, right. It's, well, I, I don't know if I want to describe it as a loophole in the, in the tax laws, but you can do that. I mean, it's perfectly you know, yeah. legitimate. And it's based and, on your plan documents. That's, and, and, the, that's the issue. Right. And, and it's a beautiful thing because it's, a, beautiful um, it's, thing, a, it's a more common knowledge that you can only put away a small amount into a Roth IRA mm-hmm. every year. Right. So, you know, you can you can get around that. And that's why they call it the backdoor strategy to um, put a lot more than that limit, which is what, $6,500 or something like that. Right. And this is the mega. This is the mega backdoor. This is like, oh, man, the mega shark, Megalodon. And see, that's the thing is that let's just say you did $19,000 goes in in your Roth contribution in the solo K, the solo 401k. So that's 19,000, that's after tax, that, that's Roth. That money will never be taxed when you take it out. Just as long as you have a seasoned Roth account to put it into, and we can talk about that in a bit. But you also have that $37,000. So if you look at it, you have $56,000 every year in Roth money that you're saving and putting aside. Right. You're really maximizing your contributions. And you know what, and, and the issue is that for all the people that have a solo 401k, they're not necessarily utilizing this. And a lot of them make the mistake of not adding it in their plan documents to begin with. And then of the ones that do have it in their plan documents, they only max out maybe at 19 or maybe they just get the 15 or maybe 12 or maybe 10. They just don't necessarily go to the 19 and push it to the limit. They've got a sports car goes that can go 200 miles an hour. But unfortunately, the majority of the people that have a solo 401k do not go past fourth gear and they don't get necessarily get past 65 or 70 miles an hour, even though they have that vehicle that can go much, much, much faster. Right. So yeah. So, you, so you've heard it here <laughs> on the Financial Liberty Podcast, the mega backdoor Roth strategy. The mega backdoor Roth strategy. And, and, and the, the 
the things that people want to really consider and and utilizing the mega backdoor is making sure they find a service provider that can actually provide a the plan documents to include those particular options as well as make sure the plan documents include the Roth strategy right. in there as well, right, the right. Roth contribution part of it too. And oftentimes people say, okay, solo 401k, let me just go ahead to this popular firm or this popular firm and this popular firm. And they get it, not necessarily knowing that they didn't ask the right questions. And that particular vehicle that they created doesn't have that engine that can allow them to go 200 miles an hour. They've got an engine that can go to 100 miles an hour. And so it becomes another foray into you know redesigning all these all these aspects just so that we can get you to where you want to be. So for our, our listeners, if you're if you feel like you're confined to the six thousand dollar annual you know, the contribution limit for uh, a Roth IRA, you've just now heard there's, there, there, and you've heard of one strategy that allows you to, to put a lot more than that away. Um, but there are, there are other strategies as well. So, you know, you can always give us a call at 800-640-8105 to ask more questions, get more information on that. And again, our number is 800-640-8105. And, you know, I think it's probably wise to also mention that when it comes to a solo 401k, that there are fees with regards to setting up these things. It's not free necessarily. And uh, you want to definitely do your due diligence. You want to make sure that you work with an administrator as well as a service provider and possibly a TPA to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck. And and uh, But you definitely do want to make sure that you have all the bells and whistles when it comes to dealing with a solo 401k. And for the, all those, you know, individuals that are in private practices, you know, maybe in real estate or in mortgage or or they own their own business from home, or even the medical field, uh, a solo 401k can be a very, very advantageous solution to making sure that you can catch up. And not only catch up, but catch up in the right way, because the majority of corporate America does not have this feature because they failed the test. There's a test, and unfortunately, they failed the test, and they're not able to utilize the after-tax portion of this, of this particular strategy that would allow the mega backdoor. But some corporations actually do, and that's actually pretty cool. Pretty cool. Love it. Live it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coz is tired. We woke up at three o'clock. Oh, got like what, two days in a row, right? So I'm a little giddy. Yep. Yep. But hey, that's all, folks. All right, guys. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I I, uh, I love it. I have never heard of that strategy. That is something that uh, as a small business owner, i I should probably be looking into. So I appreciate the information and I know that you already gave the number out once and maybe even twice. I'm going to ask for it for a third time. For those that have any questions about what they've heard, one thing that came across very clearly, get some professional advice, find out, seek out a professional. If you have one, ask them about it. If they don't have the answers, we know who does. And uh, Coase will give you that number again. That's 800-640-8105. 8105. <laughs> Love it. All right. Thank you guys so much for your time. This is a fantastic podcast. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Financial Liberty Project podcast with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukumoto. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Sam and Coase come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the Financial Liberty Project, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. It's that time again where the call of the open road makes its way. We hope good fortune finds you on your own personal road. And until next time, we thank you for listening to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.